as we start this series, it's a series called Prepared. It's a series called Prepared, and we've called it Prepared, Not Panicked. Not Panicked, and it's going to be a great series where we spend some weeks together in, in, in some weeks leading up to Easter, where we're going to be really just digging in on some key events and key players as we find, what do we find in God's Word when it comes to what Scripture calls, and I'm going to give you some things to write down today, okay? Some really good things to take out and then some ways to apply it because it's a very relevant book, all right? When we study what is called last things, what's called, you would know it, maybe more of you would know it this way, what's called end times, right? When we study those things, it's going to be, yes, it's going to be some academic things. There's no doubt about that as you study the Word of God. But I want you to hear this. It is so much more than an academic study in your life. You're going to discover even today that this is far beyond an academic study we have a lot of knowledge about the things of Jesus Christ. We need to start living the things we know, right? And so when we begin to live these things, you're going to begin to see today that there's so much more than just this, this academic nature of what we'll be looking at, but you're going to find that this is going to be intensely practical for you. It's going, to, it's going to mean something powerful for you in your life as a believer that's going to motivate you into some powerful, powerful, maybe perhaps changes in your life and the way that you view the world, all right? And I want to be upfront with you. Jesus does not want us worrying about future things. He says that over and over again, to not worry about tomorrow, to not be frightened and filled with panic and filled with fear. And I know some of you this morning, maybe because of some things that's happening in your life right now, maybe you're filled with fear right now and you're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about what's next. And, and, you're, and, and so I'm praying the Lord will really speak to you through this series about his sovereignty, okay? He, he commands us to be ready. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to be ignorant about these things. He wants us to have an understanding. There's commands over and over again that come from Jesus Christ to his people, the church, to be watchful, to be ready, to not be complacent. Can we get complacent? Let's be honest. I mean, we really can. I really can. I'm being honest with you. I need these kinds of things to awaken me, to remind me, to bring that, that power back into my life and to, to be reminded of, of what really matters in life. He doesn't want us to ignore these things. A lot of times we ignore these kinds of passages that we're going to be looking at. He doesn't want you to be ignorant about these things, okay? A lot of times we just don't spend time looking into these things. In fact, to the contrary, what Jesus would teach over and over again, he would teach that our view of future things should impact our lives in how we are living today. So your view that you're going to begin to see through a lens of God's Word, not a worldview, but a, a, a worldly worldview, but a godly worldview. How does God see the world? You're going to begin to look through that lens as we look into the Word of God about this. So, so the way you view future things through God's lens of it, it impacts how you should live today. It should change things in your life. It should awaken you as a believer. If you don't know Christ, it should, uh, it should call you to Jesus Christ as the sovereign God. And so I want to start with a very simple but profound question, okay? And it's a question that every person, every person has to wrestle with this question. Every believer and every non-believer. Every person today must wrestle with the question, and here is what it is. Are you prepared for Christ's return? And I want you to just not have a snap judgment answer about that. I really want you to contemplate that. 
Am I ready? Am I ready for Jesus to come back? Am I ready for his return? He's told us that he is. We often live, though, as if he's not. Or if that's not for us, if that was maybe for a, a, a thousand years ahead of us. And could it be? It could be. All right. Could it could it also be for us now? He li- he leaves us with this tension of when could he return for a reason? Okay. And so uh, are you living? Here's some ways to think about and filter that question. Are you living with a sense of complacency? And here's what we got to do. We've just got to really get honest. Remember, the first part of, of, of change in our life when you're at the new year is acknowledging that maybe there's really a problem. So you have to acknowledge, am I maybe complacent about my faith? Am I complacent about my viewpoint regarding Jesus Christ and his return? Or do I really live with, and I had to really ask myself this, I had to repent of some things too. Am I really living with a sense of longing? Am I living with a sense of anticipation for his imminent return? Am I living because I believe in an imminent return? Am I living with, uh, where I'm living sent, like we've been talking about, where I'm on mission, where I'm eagerly awaiting his return, where I'm pressing forward and with the gospel, not only in my life, but being willing to open the gospel up and share it with others around me because there's a sense of urgency that I have in my life. Am I living with that kind of mindset? Think about that, okay? Start thinking about this. Or have I grown lukewarm? You know, that lukewarm is you're neither hot nor cold. You're just kind of stagnant. It's kind of stale. And of course, we'll read in a few weeks that Jesus says that makes him sick. And he spews that out of his mouth. He wants you to be hot or cold. Are you hot? You don't want to be cold, right? You want to be ablaze for Christ. You want to be on fire for Jesus. Our world needs that right now. So are you, are you really kind of transfixed on things that are very temporal right now in your life where you're kind of consumed by the here and now? Or, or do you live with an understanding that, yes, there are things that are temporal, but there's so much more than what's just going on right now? How do you live? Are you living with that kind of mindset? These are just good questions to ask when you consider the big question, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? It's a simple question, but it has profound implications on how you live your life today. So a great question is, are you prepared? Are you ready? And we really, are you ready personally? Is your family ready? Do you live with that mindset of, you know, again, uh, making sure that my family's ready, making certain that my home is a, is a hub for ministry in my neighborhood, where I work is my mission field, right? We talked about living sent and what that looks like. Are we really ready for him? And I really, this question has been lingering with me all week. Are we really ready as a church? Are we ready as a church? Are we prepared? Do we live with a sense of urgency? Okay, and these are great questions. Don't let these questions scare you. Let these questions motivate you, okay? Does the thought of Christ's return and the study of last things, does it cause panic for you? Does it cause fear? Or does it stir some emotions within your heart that just there's a longing for his return? I realize this isn't really my home. I'm a stranger in this, in this world, you know. Well, we want you to be prepared. We as your pastors feel responsible to prepare you, to come alongside you and to prepare you, to get you ready. Um, the, the study of last things and prophecy, you need to hear this, was not given to scare you, the church. 
It's not given to terrify you, but to prepare you. And in fact, it's given to you to fill you with peace. It's given to you to fill you with a sense of joy. All right? And that's what we want you to feel when you leave here is a sense of, of hope, a sense of peace rather than fear and dread. So grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Revelation, okay? And as we look in God's inerrant word together today, in this series, we're going to spend some time in the book of Revelation. Now, we're also, we're, we're not going to go uh, every single verse by verse uh, through the entirety of the book. We do not feel led to do that at this specific time. We may some other time, but here's what we are going to do in this series. We're going to hit some key events. We're going to hit some key players. We're going to hit some, some highlights that you really need to be uh, aware of as a believer. And if you're not a believer, you need to have an understanding of what some of these things are as well. And you can begin to kind of check them out for yourself. We really want you to do that. We want, we want you, uh, whether you believe or not, we want you to dig in for yourself. That is a hope that we have for every person here, all right? So we w- we'll also look at some other passages that won't necessarily be in the book of Revelation because there are numerous passages in the Bible that deal with end times, that deal with last things, okay? That we won't look at every single one, but, but we, our hope is that you will determine to study for yourself, dig in further, and we can even point you in some directions of some really good studies for yourself, okay? Now, I want to start off by telling you this. You are a theologian. Don't let anybody tell you differently. You are a theologian. Do you have thoughts about God? Well, then you're a theologian, okay? Now, some may be more astute and have more degrees behind their name, but don't let some of these things intimidate you. I believe as, as one of your pastors that it's our job to prepare you and to equip you and to, and to let you know some of these things so that you can talk to other people about these things and have a, have a good foundation and a solid foundation as you discuss it with your coworkers and you talk about it intelligently. I believe this, and I want you to know this, that you're very smart. And there are some, in some ways, we have dumbed down the things of church, and I I think we need to dig in. Now, we also, I want you to know, it's not just academia. It's very relevant, and I'm going to show you that too, okay? Sounds like the weeping and gnashing of teeth is happening out there, okay? All right? So, I hope everything's all right out there. But here's the first, I want you to write this down. What we're going to be studying and looking at is called this word, don't let it intimidate you. Some of you already know this, but you need to also be patient with those who have never heard these things, okay? And here's what it is. It's called eschatology. Eschatology is just very simply this, the study of last things or final events. That's it. Study of last things, study of final events. That's what this means. Let me just begin by giving you some bullet points about the book of Revelation before we read our passage You should know that the word revelation literally means this. It literally means uncovering. It means unveiling. It means a disclosure. It comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which is where we get our word. I told you, you guys were smart, right? Okay. You guys are Greek scholars. You didn't even know this. Okay. Apocalypsis is where we get our word apocalypse. Apocalypse. Well, I want you to, again, see the word means unveiling, uncovering, disclosure, okay? When we oftentimes hear the word apocalypse, especially in our Hollywooded up world we live in today, we automatically think of catastrophe and asteroids crashing into the the earth and, okay, the word 
uh, apocalypsis. It's like a, let's pretend there was a statue and under that statue is, is a revealing of something that needs to happen. There's a covering over it and you reveal that, you, you reveal what's under the statue, that figure, that central figure. You're pulling that sheet or whatever, that veil off of it and unveiling it. That's what the word means, okay? That's what apocalypse means. When we hear apocalypse in our world today in Hollywood and the way, because it makes for some great movies, right? And people are, you know, and they've even now thrown, they throw in zombie what? Apocalypse. And so you hear that. We're not going to read about any zombies. I'm letting you know that, okay? So don't think that's what, what we're, where we're going. But I'm trying to diffuse this for you because a lot of times all we focus on is the chaos, the catastrophe, all those kinds of things. And are there some elements like that that are in this book we'll be studying? Yes. But sometimes that's all we focus on. And I want to show you that there's more. There's so much more than that. This unveiling. Now, what is it an unveiling of? And a better question is, who is it an unveiling of? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The unveiling. Remember I talked about that statue and the unveiling. You're pulling that sheet off. And now you're getting that full revelation of Jesus Christ. The resolution of his story, which is history, right? It's that resolution, the fulfillment of his story. And let's clear this up for just a point of teaching, okay? And just so, again, you're informed as you're discussing things with other people, it's not revelations, okay? Drop the S off of that. It's the book of Revelation. And that I know that's a little nitpicky thing, but again, I want you to be informed. I don't want you to appear ignorant if you are discussing it. I want you to, to know what it is. And, and listen, while there are many things that can be challenging to understand in the book, yes, and while there are many that are frightened to even look into the book, and they're, they're like, I don't, I don't know if I can, I can't understand this, or there's all kinds of things I don't, I don't understand. There also, I'm going to say this very clearly, may be some differing viewpoints about what we will call the fine details. And can I say something about that? It's okay. It's okay. All right. I'm going to just tell you um, my viewpoint, and you can disagree with me. It's totally fine. I'm what is called, and I'm going to teach you some of these words a little later. Some of you know these, and so if you don't know it right now, don't worry. You'll understand it more in the series. I, I would be what is called a premillennialist. Okay. A premillennialist. And we'll look at these later. That's the viewpoint that I'm coming from in this. And, and you may have a differing viewpoint. That's okay. Um, I also would be what is called a pre-tribulation rapture pre-millennialist. That's a mouthful, right? Okay. Now, that's my viewpoint. You may have a differ, differing view in some of the finer details, and I want you to know that's okay. We can disagree. Now, I am going to tell you this. We're not going to get ugly with each other about it. We're not going to have heated arguments and get mad about it because here is what we are going to preach more than anything else. Here is, I want to clearly state to you that the overall premise of the book is very simple. Are you ready? Now, a lot of people are concerned about all the imagery and let me get really clear from the get-go. The overall premise of the book is simple. Here's what it is. Write it down. Jesus is coming again. That's the main point. If you want to sum this book up, that's it. Jesus is coming again. Get ready. Be prepared. 
Just as we've said in the series, be prepared. Here is the main point of the series as Jesus is coming, okay? The main point of the book that we will read about is that he is the Lord of all life and the Lord of death. He is the Lord of all. He is sovereignly on the throne of the universe. He holds all history, all governments. He holds all nations. All leaders of nations are held in his hands. All generations, everything is in his hands. And he is very forthright in his reminder to us that there is not anything in the universe that is totally in any capacity out of his control. That's the point. That is the point of what you'll see in this. Now, here's what that's going to mean for you, Christian. I know that some of you, you're going through one of the hardest times of your life right now. Maybe 2015 was the hardest. You're hoping for things to be better this year. They might not. They might, though. We don't know, right? We live in a broken world. Here is what this means for you is this. If God is sovereign over all those things that I just declared that the Bible teaches do we not realize that he is also sovereign over everything in our life? It may feel out of control in your life, but I assure you, he is in control. And I want to point you to that. I want to remind you of that. That's your blessed hope, is that as a believer, do you realize this? It only gets better from here for you. It's going to get better. You have a hope. You have an assurance. He's not only the author and the creator of life, he is the finisher of all of this, the universe. He's the alpha, as scripture tells us. That's the Greek, the first letter in the Greek alphabet. In verse eight, Pastor Randy's gonna tell us about this next week. And he's also the alpha, he's also the omega. That's the last, that's the beginning, that's the end, okay? He, he is the finisher of this, the beginning of it. He is all of these things. With that in mind, do you really think that things are out of control in your life? They may feel like it, but they're not. He is the sovereign God. It's a reminder. This study will be for you a reminder of God's sovereignty. It's so important for us as a church to, to understand and be reminded of these things because, guys, we live in a world without the lens of the gospel. If you're just purely looking at the world for what it is in the way that those that don't know Christ or the way that, that, that maybe you do know Christ, but you've been looking at it from a different worldview and a, maybe a secular or a worldview that is not a biblical worldview, here is what I want to say about the world we live in. It is scary. It does feel very hopeless. When you start looking at our world and just considering people are scared today, People feel a sense of fear. They feel a sense of dread. They're worried about things that are happening in our world, be it the threat of violence or shootings that just emerge. And now it seems like it happens more and more, or, you know, those kinds of things. And people are afraid about that. Or when you, when you think of the threats of terrorism, the imminent threat of terrorism that we're told that we face, the rise of radical Islam and ISIS and all the things that go with that and the progress they make and are making in the world and through the Middle East. When you look at things from that lens, all right, and by the way, I read an article this weekend that says by the year 2040 that uh, Islam will be the second largest, largest religion in America. 
uh, by the year 2040, should not Christ not return before that? You just need to understand that it's one of the fastest growing things that's happening, okay? You need to understand that. And so when you look at that, when you, when you look with that worldview and, and you think about what's happening in the Middle East and the wars and we're like, can't these guys just get along, right? Or, you know, or, or, and you look in our landscape of society and our culture today, and the political divisiveness that seems like it's getting even more divided, right? It doesn't seem like it's coming together. When you look at it, it seems like we're farther apart more and more. The devaluing of human life, the attack of the biblical family, you look at those things. And, and, and then even a year ago, it was a year ago when we hear about things like Ebola, we hear that and we think that's for a third world country somewhere, right? Well, we were shown last year that it very quickly can spread here in America, right? Okay. And so when you hear all of those things and we see all of those kinds of things, when you look from a worldview, it doesn't have a biblical lens in it. I'm telling you, it is frightening. It is very hopeless. It is very scary. It's, it does feel discouraging. And I said last week, when you don't have a biblical worldview, sometimes it does feel like evil is winning. You ever feel that? Sometimes it feels that way when you have not a biblical world or a biblical worldview, but just a, a very secular worldview. Or maybe for you, it's just all the personally discouraging things you're dealing with in your life right now. Could be your health, could be your job, could be a relationship right now that just seems out of control. But when you study last things, when you dig in, we're reminded very regularly that Christ has the final word. That he has the final word and that he is sovereignly in control. When you just simply read the Bible and read the words of Jesus, and I don't, I'm not going to get into a lot of the speculative kinds of things that some prophecy teachers get into. Some guys are very solid, but here's what I want you to know. You need to know this for yourself so you can discern whether they're solid, because I'm going to also tell you this, there are a lot of kooks out there. And there are a lot that are fear mongers. And there are a lot that are teaching false teachings. Jesus said to anticipate that, okay? He said there would be false teachers. And he said that there would be a lot of greedy kinds of people and that know how to manipulate. And, you know, they know how to sell books, okay? And you need to understand from, a, from your own viewpoint so you, through the Holy Spirit leading, you can discern what is right and what is junk, because there's a lot of junk that is out there, right? So I want you to know, um, I, in fact, this week I was going through some of my old books that I had from a teenager, and some of them were books that were really speculative, okay? And one of them had, had predicted that uh, Saddam Hussein, this was when the Gulf War was going on, Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist. This guy was determined that this is, was his viewpoint and was very determined. Well, I think we know that he was wrong, right? Okay? So what I'm saying is some of those kinds of really, uh, you have to be careful. You have to discern in the midst of this. I was, some of them try to predict dates. Some of them try to predict times and things like that. Okay, and here's what I can say about every one of them who has sought to predict a date or time regarding the return of Christ. They were wrong. <laughs> we're still here. Okay, do you see what I'm saying about this? But it doesn't mean you shouldn't study. It doesn't mean you shouldn't look into this for yourself. 
okay? Begin to discern it with the Holy Spirit's guidance. So please know I'm not going to get into predictions or dates or times or things of that nature because what I can say about that, again, is those guys have been wrong about that. But when you simply read the Bible and you read the passages that deal with last things and eschatological things, again, that's just last things, remember that, we see that Jesus talked about a lot of things when it comes to last things. He talked about a lot of this. A thousand prophecies found in Scripture, half of them dealt with the first coming and more than half of them deal with this second coming of Jesus Christ. 27% of Scripture is prophetic. That's a pretty good chunk, right? That's something that we need to understand and dig into. We see that Jesus' purpose was not to cause fear in your life. His purpose was to prepare you, to get you ready. I mean, this really blows me away is just thinking of the fact that he did not have to reveal any of this to us. But he's chosen to. It's kind of like, and I said this, Pastor Randy, he also is a professor. Uh, I said it's like whenever he gives a pop quiz, and I like the professors that give the pop quiz, or they're given a test, and they give you the review with all the answers up front, right? I love those guys, okay? I don't know if Randy does that. He should. And uh, <laughs> where they're saying, I'm telling you what it's going to look like. If you'll study, you'll be ready, Right? Okay, and so this is what he's saying. It was to prepare us. He didn't, think about this. Jesus didn't want to scare you. He said things like this to his disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Yes, okay. He said things like this. Don't be troubled when you see all these things happening. Jesus would say things like this. I told you this was going to happen. I'm with you. Be faithful. You be ready for me. In my father's house, what does he say? are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't be discouraged about these things. These are just normal and he would use this description and it's used often. These are normal birth pains. Birth pains that occur before the glorious day of the Lord. He would say things like this. These things that are happening in our world what would we call them? They're birth pains. Alright ladies, help me out here. How many of you guys have you guys, you ladies <laughs> How many of you ladies have had a baby? Would you raise your hands? Raise them. Okay, lots of baby. All right, people are raising babies up. That's awesome, okay? <laughs> I've got the proof right here. That's what she said, okay? You're having babies, okay? But here's the deal. My mom was in the first service, and I didn't see my mom's hand go up. I was like, Mom, raise your hand. I, could, I couldn't see her from a certain angle, but her hand was up. It was just kind of low. But, but I asked my mom, I said, Mom, did I cause some pain on you, you know, before? And she was like, you hurt me, boy, or whatever, you know. And, and, and even after you were born, you still hurt me a lot, okay? But, but here's the thing, and I was just thinking about this, okay? I want you to think about those birth pains. They're described in this manner for a reason, okay? Think of how they use the description and the metaphors like this. It's because as a, as a child is going to be born and it gets ready for that glorious appearing, what happens? They get the, the birth pains get more intense and they grow closer together, right? There's more intensity and closer together. And you ladies would say, I know what that pain is like. Some of you would say, I got two words for you, epa and dural, right? Okay. <laughs> so it maybe wasn't so bad, but there's a reason you got the epidural, right? It's because of the pain. And now I'm married to, uh, I, I remember whenever, uh, I remember whenever Luke was, was going to be born. He's our firstborn. I was in the first service. I remember that, that, uh, that I wasn't really feeling a whole lot. I was good, you know. That sweet little petite wife of mine, though, that beautiful woman, um, she, she was hurting. She was going through a lot of pain. 
Now, I wasn't really concerned so much with the pain at that time. I'll tell you what I was concerned with. I was concerning myself with the timing of Luke's birth because Luke had to be born no earlier than August 1st. By the way, that's his birthday, August 1st. No earlier than August 1st because our wonderful insurance company would not cover his birth if it was before that. So I was like, when she said, I'm going into labor, I'm like, honey, you got to hang on. Hang on. Let me, let me help you breathe. Breathe like this. And I, you know, we went to class. Let me teach you. Breathe, honey, breathe. Now, I'm married to a sweet, petite, little, beautiful little woman. She's sitting in the back there. But let me just, her name is Hope, my blessed Hope, okay? Let me, let me say this. That woman had a look in her eye when I'm like, you got to hang on. Like, I'm going to kill you. You need to get away from me. You need to get away from me right now, all right? But so there's a lot of pain, but the birth, I will never forget the birth of our son, Luke. The birth of Trinity, our daughter. And, and you know, and, and I even said, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, it was painful, but it was worth it, wasn't it? Right? And she was sitting over there and she's like, I don't know, but. <laughs> but you know that, you, do you remember all the pain, but you also remember holding that baby for the first time? There's just something so powerful, right? It's a glorious day, a glorious unveiling. Church, uh, whenever we consider this, he uses this kind of terminology where the world is filled with fear. God's people, the church, should be filled with peace. You should be the ones who are the most peaceful out there, the most filled with joy, filled with confidence in Jesus because you know Scripture tells us that things are going to be rough for a little while. The world is dark. Yes, it hurts right now. It's messed up right now. But you have the peace of knowing where it's all heading, right? You know where this is going. There's no uncertainty with you. It all points back to Jesus as the hope of the world. You know, even people that don't know the Lord can tell our world is broken. It's messed up. They can anticipate. They feel something's coming. Something's going to happen. I love what Billy Graham said, 97 years old. He wrote in his book, The Reason for My Hope. Billy Graham said, what a time to take the news of the day in one hand and the Bible in the other and watch the unfolding of the great drama of the ages come together. This is an exciting and thrilling time to be alive. What if you started thinking about it like that? It's an exciting time to be alive. What if in our lifetime the Lord does return? He could, or maybe He doesn't. Maybe He tarries a little longer, right? Okay, but you're told to be ready. But what if, think about it this way, just as the, the, the disciples, weren't they living, the apostles living in an exciting time, uh, watching all the things unfold with Jesus in the first coming? What if it's that you and I have been selected to be uh, disciples in this time as we prepare and await and maybe perhaps get to witness the unveiling in the second coming right now. So you see how powerful that is. All right. So I, I want you to understand this, that, 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 that we're told to be ready and that it's a joyful thing. This is a series about hope for you. It's a series about peace. The future for the believer is with Jesus and his presence in heaven. It's a series of the promise of God for those who are in him. So let's just very quickly just give you some more things about this book and we'll read the passage and then I'm going to give you quick takeaways, okay? Who wrote this book? The Apostle John, 
Some, uh, the same author of the Gospel of John. The Apostle John wrote this while he was exiled by a, by a Roman emperor named Domitian. And he, he wrote it while he was on an island of Patmos. Now, don't think of some tropical, beautiful island. It was not that. It was a chunk of rock in the Mediterranean Sea. It was a place for political adversaries, a place for political outcasts. And he writes it around mid-90s A.D., and he's, he's very old now, and he's been given the privilege of a long life, whereas all the other apostles were martyred. And in, 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 you need to know this, and I thought about this this week, as he's given the privilege of this old, of living this old life, you know, longevity in his life. Now think about this. All that John saw, all of the suffering he's had in his life, all of the, 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 the suffering that his dearest friends were murdered and martyred for Jesus Christ. And yet John never recants his faith. That's powerful. I want you to think about that. And yes, he is very alone and he is suffering very much so. He is alienated. He is isolated on this Isle of Patmos. And, and yet he never recants his faith and you need to know this, and Jesus shows up in a big way. What does that mean for you? You may feel alone. You may be suffering right now. You may be isolated. You may feel alienated. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. Jesus shows up in a big way. And he comes in with great power. So look at the book with me, first ch chapter, verse 1, as we look at this. And here's what we see. This is a revelation. I'm reading from the NLT. A revelation from, now that's actually probably better translated of Jesus Christ. It can be either way in the original language. But of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. Okay, now that word soon in the original language, it literally means quickly, suddenly, imminently. It means these things that once they get going, they happen very rapidly, okay? That, that's what it, it's an imminency, okay? It, it, it's imminent and how it happens. In other words, it could happen suddenly at any time. We don't know exactly when, so therefore we must be prepared and watchful. By the way, church, we are commanded by Jesus to be watchful. You are commanded not to be complacent, but to be watchful. So if you are complacent, then here's what I'd say about that. You need to repent from that. And repentance means you change your mind about it. You change your way of thinking about it, okay? You turn from it and you begin to think of it in a different kind of way. So he goes on that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John who faithfully, remember he never recanted, he was faithful, reported everything that he saw. This is his report of the Word of God and the testimony of whom? Jesus Christ. Now listen to this promise. You're going to be encouraged by this. Verse 3. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. I get a blessing by doing this with you right now. Aren't you glad about that for me? good for me, right? Okay. But listen to this for you. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is what? Near. Right? So ch church, there's a promise of blessing for you by studying this. Aren't you glad about that? 
You're going to be blessed because you're studying and digging in with us. But not only just academically studying it, what does he say? There's a blessing that comes with those who hear it, but yet also do what? Live it. Obey it. Apply it. He's saying, read it, heed it, live it. That's what he's saying. There's a blessing. And this word blessing here is the same word in the Beatitudes where blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are, you know, and Jesus would say these things on the Sermon on the Mount there. It's the word makarios. And here's what it means. Happy are those. Why can you be happy? Why can you be fulfilled? Why can you be satisfied? That's what it means, a satisfaction. Why will you have that kind of satisfaction in your life? It's because you're going to have a peace of God because you're going to understand it more. And I also believe there's a supernatural blessing that that God places on those that, that will dig into this, okay? Satisfied. And your outlook on life is changed. God blesses that. You're given his peace. And now he says this word time, this is the word kairos, okay? It's not the word chronos, which is a specific time. The word kairos is, is what is called an epic, okay? Or it's called, it, it, it actually means a season. For the season is near. That's what it means. It's, again, it's not time on a clock. Here's what it could mean. For the decisive moment, the season, the decisive season is near, He goes on, he says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. That speaks of the sovereignty of God over time. Okay? And he goes on, from the sevenfold spirit from his throne. And when you hear the number seven, that that is a significant number because it, it speaks of completion and perfection. And the sevenfold spirit before his throne is the Holy Spirit, okay? In all of his perfection and completion. And you also, he says, before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who, what does it say, church? Who loves us. I want you to notice the tense of that. It's not past tense. It's present tense. He loves you right now. Not just he loved you. He still loves you right now and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. You've been set free. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. And all the church said what? Amen. That means so be it. So be it. Here's what this series is all about. Verse 7. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. That is called the Shekinah glory of God. Okay? And everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, and all the church said what? Amen. Now, why will the nations of the earth mourn? Many do not know Jesus Christ. Many are not prepared. This is a book about being prepared. When you're not prepared, there is mourning that comes with that. That's why we live sent. That's why we plant churches. That's why we're going. That's why you got to tell people, right? Because without this truth, there's great mourning. And, and, and it says all, every eye will see, all the scoffers, all the mockers, all those who have talk shows that they mock Jesus Christ and all of these things. Every eye will see, and Scripture tells us, every knee will bow before Him. You need to understand this. 
And, 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 and those who are ready are longing for his return. We're ready for you. There's peace that comes with this. He's going to come back in the same way in which he was taken up into heaven. The book of Acts tells us this. And Luke writes, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? He gave them a mission. He said, you go out and you preach the gospel to all the people groups all over the world. You go. You don't stay put. You don't get complacent. You go. Why are you standing around, is what he's saying. Staring into heaven. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. He's coming back. He's coming back. The second coming of Jesus is not to be misunderstood with what is called the rapture or the snatching away of the church. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks, okay? I want you to understand some differences there, okay? We want to teach you these things. Um, we'll talk more about that. Scripture tells us that we and all of our loved ones who have, have those that have preceded us in death will be with him and when he returns after what is called a seven-year tribulation period. We're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. We'll look more into it, okay, and understand kind of a sequence of what we see in the Scripture um, that, that we will be coming back with Him. This is the, the return of Christ. The church actually returns with Jesus Christ, okay, as you're snatched away in what is called the rapture, and that's seven years before the return of Christ. This is, as Titus describes, our blessed hope. And when we look at our lives through this lens of hope, and until that time, we look at our lives with that lens of hope, it should change the way that we live. The Bible is going to indicate that things are going to continue to get worse in this world. You don't need to be surprised about it. You need to be prepared. You need to understand that things are going to feel and it's just it's like those birth pains more intense more frequently why is it so imperative that as a believer you have a proper proper biblical mindset it's imperative because of the way that you're going to live your life as you eagerly await church you need to hear this okay church we got to hear this the only thing that is going to fix this world is the return of jesus christ that's the only thing. It's not going to be the agenda of a man. It's not going to be the agenda of a political party. That's, that's not our hope. I'm not saying don't get involved in politics, but you need to know this, that man's agenda will never totally fix this broken world. Because we are sinful, we are flawed. One Hispanic church leader named Samuel Rodriguez, when he was speaking about God's agenda and our response to God's agenda, he said this, I love this. God's agenda is not the agenda of donkeys or the agenda of elephants. God's agenda is the agenda of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated on the throne in all of His sovereignty. That is the only agenda that's going to matter. That is the only thing that can change things. Okay? And so when we get this picture of who Christ is in our minds, it gives us hope. It gives us peace. The best is yet to come for those who are believers. God says we're blessed when we read this. Let me give you some takeaways real quick, okay? Write these things down. Why does studying this matter? Why does it matter for you today? Why is it important that you attend as we study together and you make an attempt to be here? First, here's the point of this series. It's going to lead you to love Jesus Christ deeper. You need to know this. This is our passion as your pastors. We want you to love Jesus more. We want to lift Jesus Christ up. 
We want you to love Jesus in a deeper way. You're going to find, yes, in spite of all the, some of the mysterious language and some of the things we'll look at and talk about, not everything, but we'll talk about some of those kinds of things. What you're going to find is that the central focus is all about Jesus. Every bit of it is. It's all about Christ. When we study these kinds of things, we're often piqued in our curiosity, and sometimes we can focus more on the sensational kinds of things. And, you know, I want to, man, get to the juicy stuff, Bart. I want to I talk about the tribulation or the Antichrist, and what does this moon mean, or what is that? And, you know, a lot of times we can focus so much on that. And there's nothing wrong with you digging in on those things. I'm not trying to make fun of that, okay? But here is what I'm going to say. That's not going to be the point in this series. The point in this series is not to sensationalize it to spike our attendance. As you see, we don't have any more room, okay? And, and so that's not the point. We'll look at some of those things, but more than anything, I just want you to love Jesus more. I want you to love him deeply. I want him to impact your life. It's not about the Antichrist. It's about the Christ. It's not about prophecy. It's about the one that's prophesied to come. It's about him. Okay, and you can, and that he's sovereign and you can trust him with all of your life. You can trust him with all of your problems. If he can handle all that, he can handle all your stuff. That's what I want you to get, okay? That you'd love Jesus more. Some of you, you know you are searching for something in your life. You've been looking, you've been searching, you're trying to figure it out. And what I'm hoping is that in this series that you will realize how much Jesus loves you. And that all the answers that we try to find in the world, that's not going to be your answer. Your answer is going to be Jesus Christ and a relationship with the living God who loves you and died for you and wants you to be in his family. That's what I'm praying. Church, I'm asking you to pray with me. We'll see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ than we have ever seen in the history of our church. Will you pray with me that, believers? Pray with me about that, okay? To him who loves us. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. That's what verse 5 says. And has freed us from our sins by his blood. Loves us as present tense. When we sing, I love that song, that, that uh, song we sing, how he loves us. It's not how he loved us. It's how he loves us. I want you to feel loved by Jesus in this. and Be awakened to that. Secondly, uh, you can take this away. It's going to give you a new perspective on what really matters in your life. Because we can get focused on the temporal and lose complete sight of what really lasts, right? It's going to like hone you in on what matters. And I'm praying that you will look at some of the material things that maybe we worry so much about and be like, you know what? That's not that big of a deal. Or it may be hard right now, but he's going to change things. Maybe it changes the way you view money. Maybe it's going to remind me my problems right now are only temporal. It gives us fresh perspective. It doesn't mean you don't have a life. Because here's what I believe. You are to engage. We're to engage the world right now while we wait. We don't just withdraw completely. You've heard it said before that some are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You're to engage the world as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, okay? Thirdly, it leads us to live holy lives and to be light in the darkness. When you have this accountability of knowing that Christ is coming for you, you want to be prepared, right? You want to be ready for him. You want to, you want to not shy away in shame at his return, you know? You're to be that light. Our world's dark. You and I were to be light and salt in the decaying world. 
couple quick scriptures and then I'm going to pray with you, okay? First John 3, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. By the way, you're going to be different. Glorious new body, praise God. But we do not but we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. Aren't you ready to see Jesus in all of his glory? And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves, what does the word say, church? Pure. As you're living with that, you want to keep yourself pure and holy just as he is pure. There's an accountability, okay? Another part in 1 John, he says this, chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, that's us, children of God, remain in fellowship. You're walking with him in Christ so that when he returns, not if, when he returns, you will be full of courage. That word also translates confidence and not shrink back from him in shame. You're confident because you've been living a life sent and on point with Jesus Christ. We want to lead it, this to lead us to repentance if we've been complacent. I don't want to be found with shame and regrets at his return. Do you? I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Somebody say, you preachers, all you ever talk about the last days and, you know, and people scoff and Peter dealt with the same thing. He said this, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. And they will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. We're not trying to be doom and gloom preachers with you. What we're trying to do is to give you hope. We're trying to prepare you, get you ready so that you can be confident upon his return. And here's the last thing. When you have a proper view, you study, why does it matter? It propels you to live sent. You live on mission. You want people to know the gospel. You want them to be ready, your loved ones to be ready. You, you're living sent. There's a sense of urgency that's attached to it when you have that mindset. And that's the sense of urgency that God gave us. He didn't tell us when. He just said, I am, and you need to be ready. He told us when. A lot of us would just, we just live complacent lives all the way because we're procrastinators, right? Right up to that point. He said, no, you live on point, and I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. Get ready. Can we just pray together? Let's pray. How is Jesus speaking to you today? For some of you, maybe what he would be saying to you today is you need to get prepared by placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's been drawing you. He's been calling you. And today is the day of salvation. Today, if you believe on him and call on him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe today... You just need to rest in Him. You're a Christian and you're troubled by many things and you just need His peace. First, let me just back up. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, would you just call on Him right now? Just say, Jesus, simply say, Jesus, save me. I want you to be my Savior. I want to follow you. I believe you are who you say you are. Now, those of you who are believers, maybe you're troubled, you're overwhelmed you'd be reminded today that He is sovereignly in control. For some of you, maybe your takeaway is that your love has grown cold for Him. And 
you just want to love Jesus deeply again, would you just ask him right now to rekindle your first love? You don't want to be found lukewarm. Maybe for some of us, we just need to repent and we need to ask him for forgiveness because we've been choosing to live brazenly a sinful life, even as a believer. And he is calling us, calling us, he's calling you and me to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's saying, I love you. I want you to have so much more in your life. Maybe for some, you've, you have loved ones that you want to know the love of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. And you'd be motivated to begin to live sent today. Lord Jesus, we want to be ready. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray.